Ask the Podcast Coach for May 12th, 2018. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. It is Saturday morning. It means it's time to get your podcast questions answered live. Welcome to Ask the Podcast Coach. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting. Dot com and uh, joining me right over there, the one and only Jim Collison from the Average Guy.tv. Jim, how's it going, buddy? Greetings, Dave. Happy Saturday morning to you. I hope you're ready for Mother's Day, which is tomorrow. Don't forget to call your mom. I know I noticed you reminded everyone in your video. Yeah, morning. I uh, I always tell people, I, I'm you know, you always do things, you'd make a card or whatever, you know, that whole nine yards, and um. The one year I, I don't know where I was at. Oh, I worked at a grocery store, and across the the plaza was a, a I think it was Beauty Bug or something Bug, Fashion Bug. Mm-hmm. And I walked in. There was this cool black's like one of my favorite colors, and there was this cool black and white dress. And I'm like, man, I could see my mom wearing that. So I kind of took a guess and uh, bought this dress, fit her perfectly, and she actually cried, <laughs> as opposed to like in the past, you like you know. You buy her a new vacuum cleaner or whatever. Here's a toaster, you know, something she could use. Uh, and this was, I think, more it hit because it was something she probably wanted. Because my mom never, like, bought, uh, you know, she, she'd get clothes from her sister or what is it? It was always hand-me-downs or whatever. And uh, that, I think, uh, really hit home. So I, I said, buy your mom something she wants, maybe not something she needs, or better yet, buy her both. But um, depending on where you're listening to us, uh, you can join us out at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. And if you want to jump on in, now you can ask your questions over at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. But if you want to jump on in and actually come on camera or you can leave your camera off, uh, you can go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join and uh, get your podcast questions answered live. And uh, we are here every Saturday, 1030 Eastern Standard Time. And uh, I saw somebody do a post. A lot of these, I go out to Facebook and I will see what people are talking about. And what do you think of the thought of, should you podcast angry? <laughs> uh, should you do anything angry? Ah, that's, a, that's an even better question. That's probably, probably not, not the best idea. Although I'll be honest, when I am, when I am angry, I am the most focused that I ever am. I just get a ton of stuff done. Like I get mad. I'll go out in the garage. I'll clean that thing top to bottom in an, in a fit of rage. Like, and it's the, it's some of the best work I've ever done. So, you know, I, should you, I don't know, Dave, probably not. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you're going to say some things you that's probably shouldn't say. Right. Yeah. Cause on one hand, I get the passion. You're like, I need to talk about this now. Cause now, and I get that. The problem is the, you're speaking more from an emotional side, which is great. The bad news is you're probably going to say something that you go later. Eh. Not probably. You're probably, you are going to say something you regret. It's just, it's kind of like, or, or when you're frustrated, you know, you ever, you ever, uh, something you've been passionate about and you've seen the right way to do it. And then you, you come on and get really preachy about the way it should be. And you, you know, and then you, you, a couple of days later, you're like, oh, that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. And I probably shouldn't have said all those things, you know? So yeah, when you're a little frustrated or a little angry, there's, I think I've heard people say like a 24 hour rule, right? Like if they're going to be angry about something, wait 24 hours before you send an email, talk about it, record it. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to know 
you know, in the moment you feel like you're right and justified, but you should probably back away from the back away from it. And and I that's I have a job where I'm responsible for a community of, you know, we have about ten thousand people in this group and holy cow. Yeah, you know, it's not as fun as you think. No. A lot of people are like, Yeah, you got a great big community, you know, and you're like, Well, okay, it comes with it. And you know, in in this world of of comments, right, on Facebook. You know that we overuse, and I'm I'm probably guilty of it as well. But we overuse some words that used to really mean something, like horrific, or that's horrible, or that's uh, that's an atrocity. Those kinds of words used to have very deep, you know, kind of meanings to them. Well, now we use them. It's kind of like awesome. Like we use them for <laughs> everything, right? And uh, you know, so people, it, it's lost its. Uh, we've it's lost its ability to communicate what really is horrific um, or what really is horrible. And it, but but people put those things in. It's like, you know, no, no, that's not really like murder is horrible. Like the, this is just a mistake. <laughs> you know, you, you you shouldn't really use those kinds of words for these kinds of problems. But I think that's the escalation of it, Dave, is I think in, especially so as podcasters have to deal with comments and communities. So these are some of the things we see where people don't really know how to use words appropriately anymore. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a terrible problem. You have to be patient. That's the thing, right? You just have to be patient with it. I think one of my favorite was I was at podcast movement and Craig from Inglaeus podcast. We were talking about, he said, I think it was brilliant and it just sounds so cool in a British accent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said that, I said, do you realize how, British you sound when you say that. He goes, do you realize how American you sound when you say awesome? And we laughed because we went out, we were going someplace else, we went out, we get on the elevator, and there's some like 12-year-old kid, and the first thing out of his mouth was, that was awesome. And he just looked at me like, see, told you. You got everyone... It's a, it's it. All, all Americans say is awesome. And I say it all the time, and, and and it's not, I mean, it's, now it's just good. You know, that's, it's lost its ability to have any kind of, um, any kind of meaning, any kind of impact. We've taken all our big impact words and we've pushed them down uh, to kind of a menial level uh, in language. And we just don't have any of those left. And, yeah. and, you know, and then, you know, everybody, because we really live in a self-centered, I deserve everything culture, you know, I deserve it and I deserve it right now. There is no ability to do any kind of customer service anymore for people because they just don't, there's nothing good enough. You know, uh, you, you do the smallest little mistake and they are all over it. You know, the correction police are all are all out there correcting. Well, well Dave, let me tell you, it's really what you were trying to say is really not this and this and that. But it was kind of this and that and these right. kind of things. And I know because I'm an expert and, you know, and you're just like, come on. So it. You, but OK, that being said, you got to be patient because those are your listeners. Right. You got to. Be careful before you send those, you fire those emails off. I have fired them off at 1130 at night, not thinking about what the tone of them is. It's always a mistake. <laughs> always a mistake. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve Sleeper says, yeah, people use the word Nazis too much. And that's that's probably another that's another word that has gotten, you know, it, it, it's it is a it it has a meaning that's awful. But we kind of use it now if you stub your toe. That, Somebody uh, cut me uh, off in traffic, stupid Nazi. You're like, what? Yeah, you're a traffic Nazi or you're a driving Nazi or what, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, you can say that. And, you know, really uh, Seinfeld popularized that, you know, 15 years ago with the soup Nazi, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, not that it wasn't said before. I'm sure somebody, ah, Jim, uh, Nazi was used before uh, Seinfeld. We were using it. And, <laughs> and correct you on your correction. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Gotta what, love it. The bottom line is, no matter what you say, somebody's going to get offended. I've come to that conclusion. Oh, yeah. And yeah. The thing that you you said though that's a good point. Then we have a question about uh, monophiles here in a second. Is I am worried that eventually the seven dirty words that we say on TV can't say on TV will eventually be said on TV. Oh, absolutely. And I'm yes. worried about that because well, it's already on cable. Um, I was watching South Park, and I'm like, wait, they just they just dropped the f bomb on yeah. TV. I was like, I haven't watched South Park in a while. Um, and I think if we event, especially to me. The F word is like that's sacred ground. Don't lose the power of the F word. We, you need that for your argument, man. And uh, I think that's because the whole fun part of that is we could get in a whole philosophical thing is all that is. We've all agreed that those are, quote, bad words. We've all agreed on that. They're not. It's just a word. But we've agreed these ones are bad and have special magical powers that mean more when you say them. And I think if we all just start using them, then we're going to eventually just like. Okay, I want to drop an F-bomb, but I'm not. But it's like, I, th- I think it's going to be, I think 20 years from now, it will just be a part of our vernacular. And then and we'll have to invent new bad words. Yeah, yeah, or something. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Like Kunger. Kunger will be the new bad. You stupid Kunger. You're like, it's a Kunger, yeah, man. You know it, what a it, Kunger is, man? We were we went and saw Avengers last night, and they had a um, they had a preview for Deadpool, which... Of oh, course, yeah. dude, I love Deadpool. And I mean but, that if that's not the filthiest, right? I mean, you you come out of that movie and you want to drop the f bomb at least seventeen times in the next <laughs> sentence that you say, right? But it um it is one of those things. In the previews, it was interesting. If you watch the previews online, of course they leave. There's a line in there where he says, "Well, I guess I have to, uh, you know, I, I think I have to f and uh, get back on LinkedIn or something like that." And in the in the previews of the movie theater, not. They took it out. They that's a different. That's a clean line, in the movie. Ah. and it doesn't have the impact. Doesn't have the, the right. humor in it. Right, same same way. So, um, it's it, I found that interesting. That online shoot YouTube. Right. I mean, this is this is what's changed. It is there's no there's no rating systems on YouTube. Right. That's true. You can just drop it, and and I think the explicit tag will also be something that kind of just goes away after a while. Um. So I don't know. It, it, it's it's an interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting. You know, for back to podcasters, I think what is I think you have to look, think and look about your audience and say what is the language that I'm using and it is appropriate for the, you know, for the audience that I'm trying to attract. And you know, you got you got to make that judgment. And there are some great podcasts out there that are super filthy uh, from a language standpoint. They're super funny. And then you have to realize that in some cases, depending on who you're trying to attract. If sponsorship is something you're looking for, they may not want to. There's a show. Right, right. Yeah. The filthiest show ever. Distorted view daily. Filthiest show ever. Uh, It's designed to offend people. (laughs) It's just, it's, he's talking about, uh, there's always some sort of poo talk. Somebody's getting pooed on or what. It's just bizarre and weird sex acts. And it's just, he finds people that are just really messed up and talks Uh about them. And uh, he's he's been doing podcasting since 2004, I think. And he's always been self-funded. I think he had uh, like Adam and Eve for a while was a sponsor. But for the most part, he realizes nobody's going to touch this show with a 10-foot pole. So he has a, um, he calls it the sideshow. It's a, 
a whole other membership area kind of thing. Steve says, Kevin Smith, a podcast movement a couple of years ago. Every other word was, yeah, one of those. I, and he said a lot of really good things in that speech. And you couldn't you couldn't clip them because everything was effing this and, and, and everything was like, man. Uh, and that's just the way I'm sure people say, well, that's just the way he talks. When you hire Kevin Smith, that's what you get. And I get that. But it was kind of a, I saw people getting up and leaving. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to get up and leave, but it was kind of like, really? Do we have to? Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it, there's still, it's certainly there's some sensitivity to it in our, in our culture. I am not saying that we are completely desensitized to it now because there are folks who don't, they don't appreciate that and they, they, they don't want that. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's important as a podcaster that you kind of review your speech. And we, I, I tell you what, in Home Gadget Geeks, I let one go one time. I think I said the S word. We'll, we'll leave it out of this podcast in, in a context. And man, the chat room, my chat room was like, I have never heard Jim swear on a podcast before. That doesn't mean I don't swear. I mean, I can swear like a sailor. I was in the military. Trust me. I can, I can, you know, lay it on there. But the, the, my audience is just not, I've drawn, you know, I've drawn an audience that's not, that, that doesn't want that. And I think that's another thing you got to be careful of is if, if you're, if you're a podcaster and you've been clean, so to speak, and then all of a sudden you go explicit, man, you are at, that's a bolt of lightning to your, to your listeners. I think you got to really be careful whether you want to do it or not. They're listening to you. Well, I made an, uh, I'm making a new podcast. Season one is out history of what? Wait, 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 did you say you're making a new podcast, Dave? Unbelievable. Awesome. <laughs> Incredible. Shocking. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's based on this. This is actually a diary and a diary that I made back in 1995 about being in a country band and season two is much better than season one, but I'm reading it and we go to interview another drummer or something like that. And it didn't make any sense and blah, blah, blah. And I said, and I just thought F it. And I'm like, Oh now am I going to put that out there or what? So I did. I was like, but I'll mark that content as explicit. I might put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. It was one of those like, do I, do I bleep it out? Do I, I do that? Set it and bleeped it. Why not? I Is might it? do that. Then you, it's there, but it's not, right? Yeah. Because the, the fun thing is, as soon as I mark one episode explicit, there goes India. See you by a right. couple million people. Not that a bunch of indie people are going to want to listen to a, a podcast about a bad country band <laughs> in Southern Ohio. Yeah, no, probably not. But yeah. I, there, there is that, um, you know, there, there is that ability to add it, but bleep it. So it's yeah. not there, but the indu, indu, induendo. Induendo? Innuendo, sorry. Having some trouble with words lately. Innuendo is what they do in India, man. I don't know. (laughs) Some god in India. That's another way. You ever done that? uh, A fun thing to do on your podcast, by the way, take a totally clean clip, about two or three minutes, and then bleep out words. They're perfectly clean, but bleep out words that that would sound like you were swearing in there. Not ABC, not Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. How's that? Super funny. Unnecessarily edited something, something. It's hilarious where they take things that are clean and bleep them out. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, we did have a question from Scott Orr who said, uh, hey, Dave, new topic. Didn't you say you upload mono files? I was listening to an older SOP show and I'd swear the music and sound effects sounded like they were in stereo. And I would say you are correct. I recommend people that are worried about file size upload in mono. Now, here's the thing. 
This is where I always say, consider the source. Go back and look at your source and ask the person, which is exactly what you're doing. And why I do that is for two reasons. Number one, if you are in a place where your internet is so bad that having a stereo file is going to cause an issue, you're not my target audience. Not that I don't care about those people, but you're not my ideal podcaster because podcasting is going to be so hard to you that in my opinion, and that's all this is, you're probably not going to make it because podcasting is hard enough, let alone, I don't have enough internet to do that. Uh, The other reason is I have a streaming channel, which gets enough, not a ton, like maybe 30 to 50 people a month listen on I don't even know if it's still around school of podcasting.fm. If you go to um, davidjackson.org, there's a button for the, the live channel um, that I use through the name of the place, but it's a, it's a streaming channel. It's not a podcast thing. And when you set that up, you have to pick what bit rate do you want? And the last time I was on, I had one, it was mono. I decided to do this one in stereo because depending on their other platforms, just like there's Apple and you know, all these other places. You have all these places where you can list your station. And it seemed like there were more for stereo. So I just, I do it in stereo. And if I wanted to, I could export stereo, upload it to the streaming station and then export as mono and upload it to that. But for me, I was like, I've never had somebody complain. Most of my files are still fairly, you know, they're not like I'm pushing, you know, 500 megs or something like that. They're, they're usually not that long. I used to only do stereo if I was doing something like a microphone shootout or if I was doing something with sound effects or things like that. And I just, after a while was like, you know what, you know, who am I worried about here? And I've never had somebody complain. And so it's really, that's always tell people it's up to you and your audience. So if you're doing something, uh, I just, I know I have people they are like, Hey, I just uploaded one file and I'm out of storage space at Libsyn and I'll go over. And I had somebody this week, they were, it was three twenty kilobits per second. I'm like, I th- I'm like, I think you've set a record. And, you know, it was huge. And I said, here's typically what people do. 128 stereo, 64 mono, you know, roughly one minute, uh, one minute, one meg per minute or a half a meg per minute. Yep. You're doing 64 mono and, and go from there. That's basically why I do that. And this show used to be in mono. And there's another one that's because again, this goes on the streaming channel. So most of my stuff now is in stereo and it's really from a file size standpoint, stupid because the only thing that it, that affects is the intro music and the outro music other than that. And even then you don't, you don't need stereo for that music. No. Mono's yeah. just fine. Right. It's yeah. just background music. Yeah. And this new six shooter podcast on occasion, I will add sound effects and things like that. But, uh, and I know some people, if they do interviews, they will ever so slightly pan one person left and one person right. So there's a little bit more separation. Don't go crazy with that and put somebody all right and all left because a lot of people listen with one earbud at work. That'll cause a, a problem. But if you're I've not been, sure. Yeah. I've been thinking about adding Dolby Atmos to my, uh, to my podcasts <laughs> just to see, you know, I want complete sound. They're, they're two terabyte files by the time I'm done, but uh, they're, they're, the listeners really like them. So There are a lot of people that try to podcast with a WAV file. That's usually the person that's like, I just uploaded a file. I can't be out of space. And you go up and you're like, you've uploaded a WAV file. You have indeed. Yeah. And I thought at one point we had put things in place to where you couldn't do that anymore because 
every time you point that out, rarely is it somebody who's trying to actually trying to podcast with a wayfinder. You do get, I think I've had one person. It was like a music show. They're like, no, no, we need the absolute. We're like, we're just letting you know. It's not going to work with any players. It's, you know, people are going to hate you. I remember when I had, uh, this is back when I had an Android phone and uh, somebody put out a video show in their audio like show. And it was like an hour long. And I just remember my phone just like dying. It was like out of speed. I'm like, what's going on? It's like a, you know, this ridiculously large file. It wasn't even formatted for like a smaller screen. It was huge. It was like a YouTube video that I got to download to my phone. And I was just, I just remember like, why is it still downloading? What's the deal? And here they put out this video file. Another question that we have here from Sharon Ross, because I just did one, is as some people, and I got this from Facebook, are some people just more prone to popping their peas than others. We use ATR 2100s with foam pop filters, and I've been trying to be good, uh, a good fist length back from the microphone, and have the mic angled so it's not pointing directly at my mouth, and my peas keep popping. Is there something else we can try short of editing out the pops, which would not be an option for us? what's the deal with that? And it's, uh, it's a P it's called practice. Uh, I have this little, I'm, I'm using an electro voice RE three twenty. I've got the pop filter that goes kind of in front of it, but I like to point the microphone at the corner of my mouth. Mm-hmm. So if I do that, that's cool. But my problem is I'm also looking at notes and things like that. So I'm always kind of moving around and, and doing things on Saturday morning. And all I have to do is move about to here. And now I've got a direct, I can go basically right behind the pop filter and. I know some people, I had somebody said they actually take a 2100, they'll have a pop filter on it, but they'll also put a foam windscreen over it. You could do that. I'm not sure. Jim, any other ideas on? It's, I think it's just technique. You have to yeah. just be really careful in, in your piece, you know, when you're talking. You may, you may have to move your mouth down a little bit or move away a little bit when you're doing that, or it's just practice, uh, getting, getting those P's right and getting close, but not too close. You know, breathing is another one of those where this is, and I have, a, I have a lot to learn on this in the practice of this, of not breathing right into the mic, you know, not making that sound. Because we were talking about this in the pre-show, uh, sometimes um, a phonic will pick that up and, and make it louder because it thinks it's your voice. And um, so you, you got to get better at knowing or taking smaller breaths, you know, not right into the microphone if you want to get, if you want to eliminate those things. And then another thing I just, I hadn't even heard of, have you heard about VoiceCon? I think is the name of it. Mm-mm. Um, VoiceCon.co put on by none other than one Gary Vaynerchuk. And this is one of the things where I say, always consider the source. I'm, I'm starting to wonder, I could be wrong. And there are a lot of people here that I've never heard of. And, and it's big companies. You know, there's a guy from Amazon. There's a guy from Chase Manhattan. I've never heard of the skim, but the co-founders are there, but you go down another person from chase, another per- person from Google managing director of global product partnerships. And all of a sudden there's one guy, his actual title is viral video creator. I was like, that's kind of interesting, but eventually you get down to Matt Harmon. Nope. That's not the guy I'm looking for. Somebody there from Pandora. Here it is. Mike Mignano co-founder and CEO of anchor. Mm. And I'm, I'm telling you, I want to start investigating this. I bet Gary V is somehow financially tied to anchor. I, I just, I think that's going to come out eventually. Um, well, it could be, 
then it could be too that anchor. I mean, they are making a run at replacing the SoundCloud uh, folks. Like so, you know, SoundCloud where they're they're genius, whether we like them or not. Their genius is their advertising. I mean, they won in marketing. That's where they won. They they did a great job. They had a great player. Everybody was hot and sexy. Everybody wanted to be on SoundCloud. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. And um, and Anchor is really making a run. They're spending a ton on advertising. They are. I get an email a week from them saying, "Oh, we have a new thing. We got a new this, new this, a new that." So they're you know either you have a great product or you have great marketing. And I think they probably have. And sometimes you can have both. But in this case, I think they've got some really good marketing going on. They're getting aggressive and they're spending some money in the space. So. Did you hear about Casey Neistat? Yeah. Yeah. They bought him a studio. Yeah. I'm like, see, and that's the stuff that bugs me. It's like when I hear it, like, so all the the YouTube people are like, hey, I'm going to do what Casey did. I'm like, is Casey saying, oh, I went with these guys because they bought me a studio? That's one of those like getting paid to play again that I'm like. Well, well that's what XM did with Howard Stern, right? Is they, they, they found one personality and then invested everything they had in that one personality including his pay. They built him a really nice studio. I mean, they made a big deal about it. The fact that he got paid as much as he did was free advertising because everybody picked up on that and spread those, right. you know, spread that around social. So, I mean, there, there is something to that. And, and I think that's probably what anchor is trying to do. And uh, I'm not going to this conference because it's 1500 bucks for a one day event in New York city. So New York city already cha-ching. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, that's a yeah, that's a five thousand dollar conference because you're gonna by the time you fly in and probably four or five hundred bucks a night. How it, how many days is it? One. Oh, it's, um, fifteen hundred bucks one day, huh? Well, it's Gary, it's Gary V. Yeah, and I, I see mean, there's people there from uh, Pandora who's also sponsoring. You know, a lot of interesting platforms. Digiday, uh, a reporter panoply. But it's interesting that there's no Libsyn, there's no Blueberry, there's no Spreaker, you know, so I'm not sure there's no, is there, okay, a one day conference on the state of the union voice and digital audio brought to you by VaynerMedia, join brand marketers, ed tech partners and leading platforms to dig into the current landscape and understand where opportunities are for marketers. Okay. Keynotes and panel discussions will cover conversational AI and published audio from strategic creative and media perspective, as well as a look ahead at emerging opportunities. Join us to arm yourself with the tools needed to enter the new space in marketing. So that'll be interesting. There's, there's there's big money in conferences as we're finding out. Remember a couple of years ago and there was like three, you know, there was like three podcast conferences and it, it is good for the space when, you know, when we think about is podcasts growing, uh, we, we've got numbers, you know, we've got research numbers that we, we talk about all the time. And that gives us percentage of market growth and some of those things. And it's a year over year, it's growing in single digit percentages each year, which is good. But um, there is, along with that, there is a healthy ecosystem of those who are supporting podcasters. And you see that in all these conferences and the fact that Gary can can get 1500 bucks a ticket, um, although I bet very few people actually pay the full price. That's probably 1500 And then there's a bunch of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's kind of the way he works. Um, you know, there's there's I'm sure there's discount codes you can get. I'm sure there's things you can do to help, you know, if you advertise for it or whatever. I'm sure the price will come down, maybe. But there's a healthy 
conference market for podcasters now. And so I think that is showing some signs of success there. By the way, those guys, don't, they're not really targeting us anymore. No. Right. They're they're targeting the that the the big podcasters. They're the the ones that are doing this for a living and making and marketing money firms it. and right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're there is an ROI return for them. Uh, at Gallup, we just one of our podcasts, we just crossed a a, a big milestone, set a record for April of sixteen thousand downloads for the month, right? And that's how I measure it there. We we do by episode. Each one of those episodes gets a couple thousand. And um but it was a big, it's a big deal for us. All, I sent that out to our executive team and all of a sudden, you know, there was some like, oh, wow. Okay. We, you know, I, I, about once a quarter or every six months, I kind of update them on what we're doing. But that is important in that environment that I am showing some kind of return. We just put some analytics on a site and showing that last year we had a site that made about $100,000 for us. And just in clicks through to the store where people bought stuff. All of a sudden, Dave, when you think about a when you think about a site that's making a hundred thousand, and that's really poor reporting, by the way. We could do better and we could do more with it. You start thinking, oh, well, okay, a hundred thousand dollars. If I can go to a two thousand dollar conference to learn how to bump that up, uh, we did some Facebook advertising the other day, and for every dollar we spent, we made twelve. Like Not- you, dude, you throw money at that every single time, right? <laughs> you don't you don't stop funding that. You just keep. You find ways to get money into that pipeline when you see for every dollar spent, you're making 12. I'd love to see more podcasters get to that space. And I'm not, for Home Gadget Geeks, I'm not there with that. I, we are on the Gallup side, but I'd love to see more podcasters get to, to a point where it's not how much money does a microphone cost, but for every dollar I spend, what's that pulling back to me? Yeah. The, uh, I'll tell you what, before we get to the Google stuff, let me take a quick second to thank our patrons. If you go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome, we want to thank people like Josh Liston over at tpsguide.org as well as shannaraworld.com and uh, mm-hmm, easy for me to say, Greg from debtshepherd.com, Jonathan Bloom over at weeklyawesome.com, uh, Glenn the Geek from horseradionetwork.com, Josh Rivers from podcastingexperiments.com, Max Trescott up in the sky over at aviationnewstalk.com and Shane from spybrary.com who emailed me and said he's going to send me swag. So you may see me in a spybrary shirt soon. So uh, we'll see some sort of swag. But uh, if you'd like to be an awesome supporter, go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And Ross is asking after Google's recent announcement about voice research or voice search, some people are recommending creating your RSS feed from your website. Well, here's what you can tell Todd. <laughs> when a voice <laughs> search for your podcast takes place in Google, the website that gets the search engine juice is the one where the RSS feed is generated. That is incorrect. Um, what Google's looking for is to list your thing in the, in the, the Google app, uh, applet gizmo. You just need a little bit of code that says blah, 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 XMR, RSS feed, uh, link to your RSS feed and the name of the show. And then it's going to pull the buttons and such from it's it, Again, the whole point is it's pulling up your podcast. It's not pulling up your website. It's pulling up your podcast. And so if your show notes have all the Google juice in it, uh, then you're, you're good to go. I, Jim, do you know of anything else about that? No, does it need to be on your front page or can it be anywhere on your site? It's, it's in the, it, there's, I wish I had the link. There's a, if you go to any, most of the, the articles about this, I'm going to be actually talking about this on the School of Podcasting, 
but it's in the header of your show. So it's not enough to put an RSS button on your website. It's in the header of your show. So what I'm looking at this, this weekend is I know it's like, if you have uh, most WordPress themes have a way to put things in the header, but what I'm looking for is, is there, and I'm sure there is a plugin that I can like, what if I don't have, you know, I I've looked in all the settings and everything. There's nothing here about headers. Is there a plugin that I can install and then put, you know, it, it gives me a box that put things in the headers uh, because I'm sure not every, but not all themes are created equal. What, what I'm wondering about, and this is what somebody had asked on Facebook. What if I have uh, a website that is a network? You know, uh, Steven was talking on uh, better podcasting. He found a cool theme uh, for networks. Well, what if you have a network? Cause they only want one feed per website. And so that's going to cause an issue if you're using something like categories in PowerPress, I mean, that's a cool way to have multiple feeds on, on one website. And uh, there are people that have used one media host. They'll just get one big media package and then they'll use category feeds to just throw that over there. And they realize their stat, their statistics are going to be horked and things like that, but they're, they're saving money and that's fine. Uh, how is that going to work? And at this point, that's what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of answer. Uh, I know, I think it's Elsie this week is talking to Zach from Google. So we, uh, some, some lips and folks are kind of having conversations behind the scenes uh, with those guys to figure out exactly what's going on and what are the myths. Cause there are some information and in that's getting put out there that are like, we're not a hundred percent sure that's true yet. So we're trying to, uh, to get those uh, out of there. Uh, so we shall see. Andreas says, uh, I was talking about about transcription platforms in the last episode of the School of Podcasting. Have I tried Sonics dot? I just had it and then somebody typed something else and I lost my place. Sonics dot Sonics, N-O-S-O-N-I-X dot A-I. I'm using it and it even translates my podcast to an 88% accuracy. And I speak Spanish and English at the same time. And it has a bunch of other features with Adobe Audition. It's $15 a month and $5 an hour for transcription. I've not tried them out. I will have to, uh, to check them out. I've been using Temi and I, here's what Temi really helped me out a ton is I will do these uh, kind of like a round table. I call them office hours for the school of podcasting. And then like the last one, I think was like over two hours. We'll have fun writing show notes for that because it's like a really super long ass the podcast coach. So I threw it up in Temi cost me eight bucks and I could easily see because it it's because there are multiple people talking. It made it super easy to see where somebody asked a question, and it has timestamps. That was worth the eight bucks. So it it cut what would have been down probably about three hours by the time I listened to the whole thing and documented what it was said and found links. It was like an hour, so it cut that in in uh, in a third. So that was cool. Yeah, Scott says I tried Tammy. He likes it. It is cheap and it works pretty well. It's not. You know, I, I'm testing a new platform and one of their things is you can click a button and have it transcribe. I have found that the less you pay for the transcription, you absolutely get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't think, think 88% is good. good. No, that's a lot of, it's that's a lot of correction in there. Sorry, I got a little echo back on me, but you know, the, the Googles and the Microsofts today, they're free engines. Um, Addy throughout Amazon is doing a transcription. Yeah deal now i'd wonder wondering what that percentage is 
It's um anything below 95% is still a lot of work because you still have to go back through. You have to remember, you don't know where the mistakes are. And so you still have to go back through. If you're, if you're wanting readable accuracy, you're going to have to go back through and um, correct it visually anyways. And so it, it's, it's, um, it's still, it's not, I haven't seen anybody do it really great yet. I mean, it's getting better. And I think in the next decade, in the next 10 years, we'll get 100%. I mean, I think it's going to be that close. It's going to be that good. We still have some processing power that we need to kind of harness, and we really need to learn some other ways. If we just would speak the same way all the time and complete our sentences when we talk, actually, that would be helpful, too, for, for those services. But it's it's still kind of ugly. I don't I've done this. I've been doing a bunch of this and I get these requests at work all the time and we run them through these automated services. I end up sending them to an editor and they spend an hour editing them anyways. And you're like, well, yikes. OK, we got We got to do better. You know, it's still have to do better. Yeah. Steven says there's a there is technically a requirement listed. And. I hate that when I'm reading and then somebody has another question, I lose my spot. It's really worded weird in the Google requirements and linking back to your homepage from the RSS feed. It's only mentioned in one place in the Google requirements. Well, your RSS feed, even if you're using Libsyn or Podbean, there's a spot there for your website. So, but it doesn't seem to matter. He says, I'm working on an article that demonstrates this as usual. Google's practical use is different from their theoretical use. Yeah. They sometimes kind of miss things that way. Um, interesting. Amazon's got some examples of uh, pricing, by the way, down on their site. So Addy threw that out there for a recorded webinar of 30 minutes. It's 72 cents. And then 60 minutes, about $1.50. So it, certainly Amazon uh, is cheaper than than Timmy, Temai, Temai. To how, how are we pronouncing that thing? I yeah. loved it in your latest episode of School Podcasting where you you threw that in. Every time you said it, then you threw in the... That's uh, called South Park. Or? That's South Park. South yeah. Park, yeah. reason, completely 100% illegal. So if anybody wonders, it's like, yeah, I don't have any rights to do that. But I was... Every fair time I said it, it, it was in my head. I'm like, screw it. I'm putting in... Fair there. use. Well, just you can just claim fair use and defend that in court. I had, I had a lot of people say, thanks, that made me giggle. Yeah, no, it was fun. I love it when you when you do that. I think, and uh, I'm wondering with Amazon, I, I bet that for to get that pricing, you're going to have to lock into their API, which means you're going to have to do a little bit of development to to get those video files in there. I don't I don't know if it's going to be as easy as just an upload like you do it on a phone. I kept to look into that, and I'll have to check it. Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they're all in this space. Microsoft has a lot of uh, benefit in getting these really accurate results because in their Teams and their Skype features, they actually have an instant translator. So, Dave, you could be speaking Spanish and I would be speaking English and we can turn on the translator. And as you're talking in Spanish, it's actually re- it's actually saying it again back to me in English. And it's kind of real-time translation. They have all the incentive in the world to make that work. There are very few companies that are actually doing that, and they want to be the leader in that. That's the beginning of the universal translator, by the way, when we think about what we get out of Star Trek. Everything eventually we have comes from Star Trek. Let's just, <laughs> let's just be honest. All the future technologies. Well, are coming. I've used that. I've had people uh, send an email into Libsyn in Italian. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be an issue. Just highlight it, go over to Google Translate, and then I type my answer in Google Translate, which always starts off with, I'm answering this using Google Translate. So if I accidentally say I want to massage puppies in an inappropriate way. <laughs> um, that's that's not me. Um, 
Craig says a popular uh, use case for podcast transcriptions that is often overlooked is for language teaching, which is what Craig does. His audience finds it, uh, finds their full episode transcriptions really useful. It helps them understand what they're saying. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I heard this on a podcast and you realize that we can actually do FaceTime. We could do voice to voice, the ultimate communication. Now we have facial expression. We have tone of voice. Right great way to communicate and yet most of us now are going to text messages where we then hit the audio you hit the microphone to transcribe what we're saying so instead of just talking to the person i'm going to talk to the computer who will then type it to send this like in a text message yeah yeah Yeah. i'm not sure how we got on that kick i think we're all like well i gotta communicate with the kids where i'm just gonna text them i'm like yeah, Boxer well, was trying to get past that by sending the audio. And yeah, sometimes I mean the value of that is doing it in a time shifted manner, right? Maybe I can't listen to it right now, but so Voxer was trying to get get through that. But you're right, we still have people. It's still like, no, I just want to send this in text, which is, by the way, probably the most under communicated way to send something to somebody. Right? You can't read into it. There's no voice inflection. It's almost always read as negative. Yes. <laughs> right. So like we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot on purpose around communication. I when I get customers at work who have a complaint, I just say, let's just call me. Like I let's let's get on the phone. Let's let's not mess around with emails and stuff like that. Let's just get on the phone. Well, I've got a couple people that I've met at events and we're talking that uh, in many cases we all work from home. And the fact we don't get to talk to anybody right. and uh they basically said, yeah, it'd be cool to just get on the phone. I'm like, well, here, here's my number. <laughs> you know, just talk. I'm in the same. So there's a, a few of us that every now and then just get on the phone and chat. It's like, Hey, look, it's, it's 1978. We'll actually talk to people on the phone. Imagine uh, that. Yeah. The other thing, how are we doing on time? Yeah. So we we could talk about, you know what? We'll save that for post-show. That's really good. So we're going to talk about IAB guidelines. Hmm. Um, Makes me want to poke my eyes out, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, Bublitz Jr. B U B L I T Z on Facebook, uh, and I think this was in the podcast movement group. I will say the podcasters hangout. There's getting to be a little more spam in there. A lot of people are like that. It's like, hey, look, we're holding a contest, and I'm like, is that spam? Because it's it's not like here's how I did the contest and here's what I learned. It's like we're holding. Anyway. Dan is not spamming, by the way. He says, I have a podcast. I'm looking to grow it. I'm thinking of advertising via other podcasts. What are the average rates out there? I have seen, I've heard, I, apparently I'm not, I'm horrible on names. Jessica, because Jessica now has two last names. She's Jessica Slayer and she's also Jessica Kufferman. Uh, I've heard her say 30 bucks seems to be like a, an average rate. If you're a super niche audience, you can go up to 50. If you're not, you might go down to 20, but I hear a lot of people kind of throw out 30. And again, I hate CPM in general because it doesn't work for most people, but that would be, I guess, a place to start. And again, it depends on what his podcast is, how niche it is and the other audience. And that's in some cases, if it's a like podcast, you might just want to look out to them and say, Hey, want to do a promo swap? You know, you might be able to do that for free uh, depending on the, the scenario, but that'll be the new advertising boom. It'll be podcasts. <laughs> we'll, 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 it'll be uh, the ultimate uh, meta meta will be sponsoring everybody's show. Like the biggest sponsors, the biggest sponsoring group will be podcasters 
promoting themselves to other podcasters. Who knows? I mean, well, we should get, we should go after the other podcasts about podcasting and say to them, Hey, if you want to advertise on ask the podcast coach, we got a, we got a pretty big audience. You can, you know, so that's the meta you're talking about pod advertising a podcast about podcasting on a podcast about podcasting. That's it. Why not? You know, so, Hey, if you're out there and you're listening and you want to throw Dave, you know, 50 bucks <laughs> CPM, I, I think, or, you know, and those are just guidelines, right? I think for, for podcasters, I see those questions a lot in the group. Like, what do I charge? Well, what is your car worth? You don't know until you sell it. It's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So take those guidelines, stop getting so hung up on not having advertisers because you don't have a rate, pick a rate. And when the advertiser asks, say it, if they say yes, you probably charge too little. The next time charge a little bit more, right? Keep doing that until people stop saying yes. That's yeah. it's as easy as that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand why people get so hung up on that, but I think sometimes people don't do the work because they get hung up on not ha- not knowing how to charge for it. Charge something. And then if they say yes, the next time charge more. If they say no, you're too high or you didn't negotiate good enough. It's not that hard. Yeah. The, uh, I have a sponsor coming on and I only did this because it's a, it's a, I'm going to actively take part of a really bad experiment. I have a sponsor that's coming on the logical weight loss podcast. Uh, I just did the math, $25 CPM. But the reason they wanted to do one episode and I said, wow, that's, that's really okay. You sure? Cause I'm like, and I even said, you know, if that, if, if one advertisement would work, why do we see the same commercials over and over and over on TV? It's like, and they're like, no, we're just spending. I'm like, okay. So, uh, so I'm going to be doing that in the, um, in the future. That should be, be interesting. Uh, well, and, and Dave, I think I might even say, well, okay, so my CPM set up for four weeks. If you're just going to do one, it's probably going to be, uh, it's like a two week minimum. So it's going to be 50 and I'll run it on one. But if you, if you pay for, for the four weeks, it gets cheaper. Yeah. And that's just, again, another way you got to incent people to do, you know, Jason saying selling isn't easy for everyone. Uh, you know, it's totally right. It, most people are not good at the active negotiations. That's why I love this idea of picking a fixed rate, something you're comfortable with. You had a guest on, I forget who it was. They're like, find something where that's so ridiculous in your opinion, like you could never charge for that. And then find an amount where you're like, oh, that's way too low. And then pick in the middle. That was <laughs> right? Jessica. Yeah. Pick in the middle, pick a rate. And if people are coming in and say, cause you know, I've got a PA system and I do some DJ work for weddings and people are always asking me, you know, all the time, how much? And I just, I, I got asked that question so often. It's like, look, I'm not in that business, but I got asked off so often. I just said, okay, I'm going to pick a rate that I'm comfortable with where it's worth my time to be able to do it. And when they say, how much is it? I just say, it's this much. And you just say it. Right. And, and it, shut up. Yeah. You just say it. And, um, and so it doesn't, I don't think selling has to be hard. That's going to be the title of my next book. Selling doesn't have to be hard for, for those of us who don't like to negotiate, don't just set a rate, get, find something that you're comfortable with. That's unfair. And when people ask, put it out there. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's a matter of, here's what I do. Here's how you're going to benefit. And here's how much I charge. Yeah. And if it's in their budget, and you did a good job of explaining on how they're going to benefit, they'll buy it. Yeah. If, they, if not in their budget, it's either A, you didn't explain the value, or B, they just don't have it. 
Yeah. And if you don't like doing collections, which most people don't charge up front, <laughs> like okay. just, just say, Hey, it's $50 and I don't do the work until I have, until I have the money. If they're not comfortable with that, you don't want to do that kind of work. So it's, it's, there are some, if you're not good at selling, there are some things you can do to set yourself up for success to, to get, get rid of all that negotiation stuff, get it all out of the way. And as soon as somebody starts trying to negotiate with you, just stop. Say, no, I'm not really interested uh, in doing that. And um, now if you're living, if you're living is selling, you better get comfortable with selling and negotiating pretty fast because you're going to have to do some of those deals. But if you're just doing this on the side and you just, you know, people come to you all the time and, and, you know, when, when that was happening to me a lot, I don't take those jobs anymore, but when that was happening to me a lot, I would just, every, every, every new job was $5 more, just five bucks more, 65. No, it's 75. No, it's 80. No, it's 85. And you just keep for people, you just keep raising that until people say no. And then another thing you can do is there's X amount of money to advertise on the podcast, X amount of money to have a logo on the website, X amount of money to be in the newsletter, all these different ways you can split it up and say, or you can buy the package where you get them all for, and then you, you have a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's $30 to be in the podcast. It's another $10 to be in the newsletter and it's uh, $20 extra to have a logo and a link in the show notes. So that's what, 50, 60 bucks. Okay. Or for four weeks, you can get it for $40 a, an episode, four weeks span, $160, you know, three months. It's, you know, blah, blah. And you just keep, you know, yeah. and, and you have to be careful because you, you, you kind of have to, it's weird. You have to, like you said, come up with what's the most you would do and then maybe give them a little discount. Uh, so. You don't want to do that. I used to, there's a local music stories to go to. It was hilarious because he'd go and say like, Hey, how much are these uh, icebreaker mints? And they're like, well, they retail for uh, 1850. You can get them for four bucks. You're like, what? Then you go to the next guy. Hey, how much for these icebreaker mints? They're like, Oh, those, uh, yeah, those are, um, I think the list on that is 19 bucks, something like that. You can get them for two. And we would just go to salesperson to salesperson until we finally found guy with the cheapest price. I'm going to buy it from that guy. That whole of, of, if you just come up with this insane thing, then people are like, wait, I'm not going to spend. Cause then I'm like, who would pay $18 for a box of mints? That's ridiculous. Nah, nobody. Um, Joe Taylor says creative services almost always charge too little. And I, I can't agree with him more. I mean, it, it, we oftentimes don't, you know, and know your audience too. If you're going there, are, there are sales. Like if you're working with a big company to them, it's worth it to pay for convenience. They do not want to screw around with this thing. And they're used to spending, on services, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like when it comes to software, you know, software is super expensive, right? If you're if you're in it with Microsoft at any level, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in the enterprise, you if not millions. So when you come in and you and you know you're like, oh, I want to do this for two hundred and fifty bucks, like you're missing it. Get you know, get that, get the value that's out there, and they're going to ask for a lot, charge for a lot. And that, and and just throw a big price out there. See what happens. I can always say no. You know, yeah. it's not the end of the world. But throw a big price out there. Don't don't, because you'll always regret it. And it's super hard. It's super easy to lower prices. It's super hard to raise them. Yeah. So start high. Have a published rate that's that's high, like you were saying. Make it reasonable. You know, don't don't go twenty dollars for mints. Like everybody knows that's a stupid price. But <laughs> but go really high, and then have some room for discounts in there. You know, where you can start discounting for volume and some of those. 
again, I don't think it has to be hard. And uh, someone also said it's it sales for extroverts. Uh, oh, I think it was Steve Sleeper. Yeah, selling is easier if you're an extrovert. Um, I actually think it's harder for extroverts because we talk too much and we don't close properly. Like introverts are like, all I want to do is close and get out of this thing because I don't want to talk to this person anymore. I find some introverts are the best closers. So I actually think, Steve, introverts are better salespeople than extroverts are because we just talk too much. We don't close the deal. Yeah. When I, uh, when I first got into training, I was training people on office equipment and salesmen love me because I would come in and show off all these features and get the customer all hot and bothered. And then they would just come in and close it because I'd be on a demo. You're like, Oh, go out and train these people on the new thing. I'm like, were they buying? No, it's on demo. And I'm like, why are they spending a resource me to go train somebody on a piece of equipment? They might not keep. Well, it's because I go in, they'd be like, this is the best thing ever. The salesman walk in with a pen sign right here. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Steve says too, sometimes I think he meant networking. I think introverted people sometimes have stronger networks, right? The introvert, they, they tend to have deeper relationships with people, smaller number. They're often seen as more authentic. They're often seen as more credible. Like do not, just because you're introverted, do not think that that means you cannot sell. I think you actually have a superpower in that of being, of, of being seen as more credible, as being seen as more, reliable as being seen as like, oh yeah, this guy's just going to sell me anything because he talks all the time. So don't, don't underestimate that power. If you're introverted, you, you might have some good that sales doesn't mean you always have to go out and talk people to death. That's what I do. People don't buy from me. <laughs> <laughs> just keep talking to them like, well, how much do I have to spend to get you to shut up? Exactly. Okay. Okay. Enough already. I will sign. <laughs> shut up. Exactly. Uh, well, you have to let me know if you can hear the fun filled music. Nope. Oh, yes, barely. Yeah. Okay. Because it is time to, uh, yeah, to start wrapping up here. Yeah. Um, what's coming up on the uh, AverageGuy.tv? Yeah, actually, I had my guest, one of my guest hosts from Gallup, come over onto Home Gadget Geeks, which was really, really cool. And we talked about Home Gadgets, the Ember coffee mug that keeps your coffee a perfect temperature all the time. And the Philips Air Fryer, by the way, if you like fried food, but you don't want all the grease, they have a digital version that's got a lot of cool things for it. So we talked about, we had kitchen gadgets on last week. I love my air fryer. I use it all the time to, uh, although now I was out grilling in the rain yesterday. Nice. That was uh, that was not a fun experience. I thought everything was cool. I was sad that I first had to put on a sweater because it was down to the fifties after being in the seventies. But uh, my grill is up and running now. And you need uh, a gazebo over that grill. <laughs> that's it, something. But uh, on the school of podcasting, I am going to be talking a little bit about the Google topic we talked about today. And then I have an interesting interview with Jordan Harbinger, who is now on the Jordan Harbinger show. But this was a guy that was getting at the, at their height, 4.1 million downloads per month and then got fired from his own show. Yikes. Ouch. And he talks about how it's, it's interesting how he's kind of bounced back from that. He's not back to 4.1 million, but he's definitely on his way. And his attitude about it is why I said, dude, you got to come on the show because he's looking at the bright side as opposed to, here's what I lost. He's like, here's what I get to do now. And here's how this and that. And we might talk about that a little bit in a post show. And then we're going to talk about uh, IAB standards because people always love that. If you'd like to hear the post show, go out again to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome and become an awesome supporter. Thanks to the chat room and everybody. We're here every Saturday at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. We'll see you again next week. 